0: Ephesians chapter 4, all right? We're going to look at verses 1 through 16, and we're wrapping up our 12-week series today where we've been talking, preaching through our core values. And again, we make much of this because our core values as a church are the five marks of a disciple, right? A passion for Jesus, a knowledge of the Scriptures, the importance and heart for community, right? Heart for the lost, those that don't know Christ, those that aren't walking with Christ, and then discipleship, life-on-life discipleship. And it was, it's amazing as I've walked through this week because I've had conversation after conversation after conversation about how discipleship happens in everyday life, right? Life on life discipleship, not necessarily disciples of Christ and disciples of Jesus, but we do this in business constantly, right? We teach people, we train people, right, how to reproduce themselves in business, how to how to expand themselves and and to to expand their reach through other people in business some people have devoted their lives to sitting in coffee shops and sitting behind desks and marketing with people all over the world, not just the country, right? In efforts to to build a bottom line, to spread themselves, to add more arms outside of them into other places, that they will add more arms outside. And that's how things grow, right? That's how things grow. We do it um, with new businesses, I was sitting with a friend the other night, and they were talking about how they got into business, and, and, and this, this guy basically bought a brand new business and turned and looked at my friend and said, hey, you want to run this thing? And he says, well, sure, yeah, I'll run this thing, right? And the guy, looked, the guy that bought it, right, the guy with the money, right, looks at him and says, it's okay, I'll walk with you, I'll teach you, I'll train you how to do this, right? That's discipleship, that's discipleship. And what we've got to, the, the, the frustrating piece of discipleship, let's go here first, right? The frustrating piece of discipleship is that there are not necessarily measurable textbook markers that we reach. That's the frustrating piece, is that you can't just measure this, right? You can't, we, we've attempted it. Right, we've tried to put these measurements in place that 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 when you get to when you get to this place you're here. When you get to this place you're here, and we talk about it all the time. We talk about this in membership class, right? How we, we wish that that graph was just a steady incline of growth, but yet the growth, the, the, the path of our lives it looks a little bit more like this. If you were to put it on a graph, right, up and down, up and down, right? You 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 climb a little bit, you grow a little bit, and then life hits you. Or, you know tragedy strikes and all of a sudden you're you're back to to square one right and so the most frustrating piece of discipleship right is that that there's not a measurable thing but it's a lifestyle that you buy into right it's a lifestyle that you buy into when my friend bought into that business he bought into a lifestyle right where if something happened at his business, in and in a, in a, in a line broke, or they had to dig a trench. He talked about that, right? Having to dig a trench. You grab a shovel, right? You grab a shovel, and you go out and dig a trench. We talked about the difference between membership and ownership for years, right? That if you're a member at a gym, and the treadmill breaks, what do you do? You tell the owner, right? You tell the owner, hey, that treadmill over there is broken, right? And they say, yeah, well, it just won't work because you're so... Anyway, <laughs> inept, right? Right? A user error, right? But if you're the owner of the gym and you get on the treadmill and the treadmill's not working, what do you do? You got to fix the treadmill, right? That's on you, right? And, and, and what, we, what we've talked about with that and used with that is that we have to take ownership over the church. And what I want to talk to you about today is that we have to take ownership over our lives to grow in Christ, Okay, so I'm going to give you, I'm going to give it a little snapshot. One of the themes for one of our camps coming up is that, that, that you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, right? A holy nation. And one of the things that just hit me on Thursday was that word chosen, right? That word chosen. I don't know if you've ever seen this, this show where um, this group of astronauts, right? is chosen seven of them right and they're trying to pick one to be the first one in space Have you guys ever seen this i think it's called the right stuff or something like that right and 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 they're fighting for it right they they kind of get a little edgy right there's some kind of underhanded things that happen because they're all there's seven people that are fighting for one opportunity to be the first one in space right and, and 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 the whole show is about this competition right that these that these guys are trying to that that these guys are trying to edge out the others right and the reality is all seven of these they, they, the characters even say it at one point that all seven of these are perfect for the job right physically they know what to do they're all pilots they all understand and they're all passionate about getting into space. So what sets them apart, right? And I thought about that. I thought about how fun it is to compete. I love to compete, whether it be cornhole, whether it be getting ready in the morning. That's one of the biggest competitions in our house is the race to who's, who's first in the morning. And, and no matter what the competition is, I love to compete. But when it comes to faith, when it comes to the things of God, what we need to realize is that we've already won. There's no competition here. God has chosen you, his sons and daughters, to carry out his mission to the world. And he desires us, he invites us, and he wants us to come along on this journey. of of being chosen. We're chosen. We're already chosen. It's not something we have to compete for. It's not something we have to fight for. It's not something we have to edge out the people across the aisle for and dress better for Sunday morning, get here five minutes earlier, serve in 50 different capacities in order to be chosen by God for his mission, right? We already are chosen, and what, I, what, I, what, what I'm sensing, right, in our church culture these days is that we've forgotten we're chosen. We've forgotten that there's a mission. We've forgotten that there's, that there's a God in heaven that has chosen us for His glory and our good. We've forgotten that we live, excuse me, I'm a little excited this morning, we've forgotten that we live For a purpose. That there's reasons that things happen, right? There's reasons that we exist. God has given us gifts. And instead of being fearful and living our lives in the fear of being replaced, in the fear of being forgotten, in the fear of being irrelevant, And the fear of not connecting, and the fear of being alone, and the fear of you insert, right? God invites us already and has chosen us already for a life of purpose where we're never alone. We're never forgotten. He's standing and saying, hey, here's a lifestyle. Are you in? Are you in? Grab a shovel. Let's dig a trench. And that's what the scriptures are about. Is that this God of the universe, creator of all, sent His Son, right, to model this for 33 and a half years, To go to a cross so that we could have connection back to God. Where He would ascend into heaven. We're going to talk more about this at the end of the sermon in a couple hours. (laughs) Right? And where we could live our life on purpose for Him. Sharing that other people are chosen. Other people have a purpose. Other people don't have to be alone. So that's what I want to talk about this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord. We're going to read verses 1 through 16. I'm going to try to get all the way through it before I stop like I'm doing right now, and then we'll come back and talk about it, okay? I therefore a prisoner uh, for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling, there it is chosen, to which you've been Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Verse 9, in saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He, he, he who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. So let me explain verses 8 through 10 for you really quick. Paul is giving a proof of the gospel right he's giving a proof of the gospel he's saying he's saying how could this be right that jesus ascended into heaven except that he also descended to earth right so god all he's all he's doing is proving right the gospel that jesus stepped out of heaven to earth put skin on right walked this earth and then ascended back to heaven to pave the way for us Okay, that's all that's all he's saying there and then verse 11 and he gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the shepherds the teachers Verse 12 don't miss this to equip the saints for the work of ministry For building up the body of christ until we all attain To the unity of the faith And of the knowledge of the son of god To mature manhood to the full to the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, underline that star that were to grow up in every way into him who is the head and to Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. God, I pray that this morning, as we unpack this, as we look at Paul's words here, that you would indeed, as we prayed a few moments ago, speak to our hearts. Move us, God. Give us a passion for the things of you. Call us again back to your work. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. First of all, if you're an English teacher... If you're an English teacher, I want to just recognize and speak and sympathize with you for a moment that Paul must drive you absolutely crazy with his run on sentences, okay? and 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 listen i'm i'm more if you were to read my papers right you would ink them all up with red pen because i'm the same way i get halfway through a sentence and i'm like oh yeah that makes me i mean y'all hear me preach all the time right and so you know that that, that it just looks like a spider web more than an than a nice clean outline right and so Paul like gets halfway through and he's like no we got to throw this in here no we got to throw that in here we got to throw that right and so I know as an English teacher Paul is probably not your faith okay and I just wanted to I just wanted to say we're here for you we and we and we love you and thank you for bearing with us because there's a couple run-on sentences here in this passage what just, a couple. just yeah just a couple okay teacher right there okay so let's go back. Let's, let's take this piece by piece. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3. Paul again, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Paul's first run-on sentence. What does it say here? Paul's heart for the church. I want you to see. Paul writes two-thirds of the New Testament, right? We know that. Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament. Paul wrote repeatedly about his passion for the church of Jesus Christ. His passion for... For the church. I mean, he tells he tells Judea and Sentike and Philippians to agree in the Lord, to knock it off. They were in a disagreement. He tells them to, to, to have the mind of Christ, right? He calls Colossians and, and, and Galatians to, to, to unity in the same way that he's calling the church here at Ephesus. Paul undoubtedly had a huge heart for the church. And I love Paul's humility. Because he never writes, in a sense, to kind of um, um, gloss over who he is. He knows, number one is calling, right? That he's called to preach the gospel. That's why he's in and out of prison, right? Sometimes, Sometimes like maximum security under the Praetorian Guard, sometimes house arrest, right? But Paul, we see repeatedly writing in reference to the fact that he's in prison. He never glosses over that fact right, and he, he calls himself a chief of sinners, right, he calls himself the least of these, that if, that if anyone, if anyone didn't have, right, the, 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 the spot to be doing what he's doing, right, especially as a persecutor of Christians back in Acts 9, right, that we see the life before Paul, he was Saul, he was renamed once he met Jesus, right, all of these things, we see the humility of Paul in his passion and, and focus of the church, his humility. And he says, Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. You know what he's applying here, implying here? Walking in a manner worthy. You know what that implies? Progress. 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 That the calling to God is not a calling to stagnancy, right? It's not a calling to staleness. It is a calling to walking in a manner worthy of the gospel. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. And what he's calling Timothy to, practice the things of God, immerse yourself in them, right? So that all may see your progress. Paul's heart for the church is that we would remember that we are all to progress, that we're all a work in progress, right and who are you today in comparison to that first day that you met Jesus has there been growth who are you today in comparison to the first day that you met Jesus for some people for some people let's be honest right they they may be more protective of their emotions because they've been burned they may they may be more critical today than they ever have been they they may be more 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 uh uh, distrusting right than than they than they ever have been let's let's call it right because for so long the focus has not been the progress of us as the believers and has been let's just grow the thing let's just check the boxes let's just let's just let's just you know are we meeting are we meeting budget? Right? Let's just let's just do let's just do these things so that we make it. Right? And what I want you to see here is that Paul's heart for the church. What I don't see, what I don't see in any of Paul's writings, and especially here in Ephesians chapter four, is that his heart for you, for Summit Church, for Rock Church, for Life Church, for, 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 for Galilee, for any East Point, right, uh, coastal, any, any of the churches around us, any of the churches that we could list, right? What I don't see is that a heart of, of Paul, hey, just make it. Just make it. Just survive. Right? Just survive. Just make it another Sunday. Just make it another month. Just make it another year. That is not Paul's heart for the church. Paul, in his writing, knows the transformative power of the gospel of Jesus. And he's saying, listen, if you'll buy into this, right? If you'll submit your life to this, if you'll give yourself to this, if you'll progress in this, God's going to do things beyond your imagination. Beyond your imagination. I've never been more frustrated as a pastor than when I was trying to grow the church. Ever. It's frustrating. Do you hear the statement? I have never been more frustrated as a pastor than when I was trying to grow the church. That's not how it happens. Right? That's not how it happens. Who grows the church? Who builds the church? Jesus, right? Jesus says to Peter, you're Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. Don't forget church. I tell you this all the time. When in doubt, and you're asked in a question in church, just say Jesus. You can't go wrong. He's never wrong, okay? You can always, you can, uh, anyway, okay? Second part, second part. We've got to roll. We've got to roll. Verses four through six. There's one body, right? One body And one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. What's Paul doing here? Very quickly. He's reminding them of the gospel. I would love to, I haven't done this, right, I might do this now, but I would love to start, right, in Romans at the beginning of Paul's writings and go through Titus, right, I think that's the last one he wrote, um, and, 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 and count the number of times that Paul writes clearly about the gospel, right just just and 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 again the gospel is not this like not this not this um uh, uh, this this fancy word the gospel simply means the good news of Jesus right i would love to look at the number of times that paul takes the church cuz whenever he's writing he's writing to to churches or to individuals who are leading the churches right i would love to count the number of times that paul reminds them of the good news of Jesus which is the foundation of the church right? Reminds them of the good news of Jesus, which is the foundation of the church. Because what he's doing here is reminding them one body, one spirit. What was happening to all these churches, right? They were getting distracted and confused by false teachers, right? This is just as applicable today. This is just as necessary for us to be reminded of today as it was when when Paul was inking this for the first time to the church at Ephesus, right? There's not just one way to God, There's not just one way to God. Jesus addressed that in John 14. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. How many many ways to God do we hear about today in 2021? How many different paths are there, right, to what some call paradise, right? Right? And Paul is addressing this here, reminding them of the good news of Jesus, which is the foundation of the church, right? Because so many were making money and advancing themselves by teaching a false gospel. A a buffet style to paradise. Pick a little of this, pick a little of that, you'll get there. Right? And he's saying there's one body, one spirit, Just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And then look at verses 7 to 10. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's Gift, and then, and, then, and then again, he reminds, uh, he reminds that Jesus you know, descended, gives the proof that he ascended, right? And he, he must have descended in order to ascend, right? And all those different things. But what I want you to see from verse seven, grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Read that for you. But grace was given to Luann, right? But grace was given to Luann according to the measure of Christ's gift. Grace was given to Greg according to the measure of Christ's gift. Grace was given to Jen according to the measure of Christ's gift. Grace was given to Keith. Grace was given to Lois. Grace was given to Madeline. Grace was given to Bree. Grace was given to each and every one of us according. You know what that tells me? You're chosen. Right? You don't have to, you don't have to edge somebody out. You don't have to make yourself look better to the pastors so that they choose you over everybody else, which is, which is not the case, right? Everybody's not it, right? They see, they see Ian or Dylan or me coming or one of the elders, right? No, no, you don't, you don't want me. If you knew my sin, no, I just can't. You don't want me to serve, right? Which is a whole other issue. We're going to talk about that in a couple months, Right? Right? But we're chosen. We're chosen. God is. Whoa, sorry, Ashley. God's given you a gift. God's created you for a purpose. To serve Him. We we had we had an incredible we had an incredible men's breakfast yesterday. Incredible men's breakfast yesterday. We had 22 guys in the room. Um, the bacon was a little salty, but it was good. It was good. It was good. It was really good. Good food, good good food and and uh, Stacy spoke yesterday. And as I, as I watched him as I watched him speak, it was the best message I'd ever heard him give as he shared from his heart to this group of guys. And I won't won't steal his thunder because he's going to preach in a few weeks and he might just use the same thing. So I won't go into that, right? But as I sat there yesterday and watched Stacy, I was like, this is his gift. This is his sweet spot. As I sit over here and watch Dylan sing, it's a gift given by God. As I watch Henry by the front door right interrogating every single one of you guys as to why you weren't here at men's breakfast yesterday morning right it's a gift right as I watch Josh so passionately lead worship as a lead worshiper behind the drums it's a gift as I watch Rick interact with people right face to face and care for the hearts of our folks here it's a gift Right as I watch my wife plan things and create things from nothing in her mind that it takes me months to catch up with it's a gift given to her by God for the glory of his kingdom and the advancement of his gospel You're chosen And instead of thinking, like, like, and here's the thing I don't understand. Here's the thing I don't understand, okay? And we don't have time to flesh this out right now, because I've got to roll. I'm about a quarter of the way through the message, and I've got about five minutes, okay? Here's what I don't understand, is that many of us hear this time after time after time again, and we think, oh, that's great. I've got a gift. God's chosen me. I'm a chosen people. I'm a holy nation. I'm a royal priesthood, right? Instead of saying, oh man, I've got a gift. I've got to get to work. There's things to do, there's people in my life that are going to hell. And I'm chosen. I've got responsibilities here. The next part, Paul fleshes that out even more. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers, right? And so, what Paul's shifting to here is hey, trust your leaders. Right? Trust your leaders. It's an awkward thing to talk about, but it shouldn't be. Right? Trust your leaders. Right? Because God gave an order and a leadership within the body. Right? Why? To equip the saints. Who are the saints? Me! Right? Us! To equip the saints for what? For what? The show? Right? To equip the saints... To sit, to equip the saints, to just show up? No, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up, not tearing apart and slandering and criticizing, but for the building up of the body of Christ, the church. That's the work. And so he gave all of this, he chose all of this, right? For the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And some of us, and look, this is what we've been talking about for the last three weeks, right? Some of us are in the boat fishing, and we're like, that's cute. Look at Dan Garrish on the shore, right? He's working his butt off for the church. That's great. That's awesome. Go, Dan. Right? Go, Dan. We're cheering you on, right? I want to know who's going to grab a shovel and go dig with him because that's the call. That's the mission, right? Right? is that we put the things aside. Paul says, lay aside every weight and and strain forward to what's ahead. And we're allowing so many things to get in the way of the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ, the church. And it's just so plain and simple right here. That God's called you. He's chosen you. And our job is to equip you for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. I was talking with some pastor a few weeks ago. I don't, I don't even know why I was talking to him. I'm trying to remember, but it, uh, anyway. But I was talking to some pastor, and I was like, how you doing? And he said, he said to me on the phone, he said, sometimes I don't even know why I put the time in. Alarms start going off in my head, right? Bro, what's up? What are, you, what, what are you talking about? He said, I preach my guts out every Sunday. I put hours upon hours into the message. And yet it's the same thing. Constantly. It's an endless cycle. And I don't know why I do it. I'm sure you never have those conversations, Pastor Rick, as a mentor to young pastors or old pastors. Right? But this is the work for the building up of the body of Christ. Keep reading. Until... Until, I love this, we all attain to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God. All right, huge run on sentence here. Okay, let's start from the beginning, all right? oh it's all the way back in verse 11 okay let's start at the beginning okay roll with me here and he gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building of the body of christ that's the work right until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the son of god to mature manhood to the full to the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine glad that doesn't happen anymore by human cunning not at all by Craftiness and deceitful schemes, right? What I see here and what just really motivated me this past week job security, right? I mean, there's always someone, right? There's always someone, but 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 but, but what Paul is saying, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. We will never get there, this side of heaven. And so what Paul is saying here is that you keep working, you keep digging, you keep fighting, you keep wrestling until Jesus. That you don't quit, but that you persevere. James, the half-brother of Jesus, puts it this way, right? Blessed is the one who perseveres. So that, so that he will be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You know what James is saying there? You keep going no matter what. You keep going no matter what. Verse 15 and 16, rather speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way. And to him who is the head and to Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly. I love that. Makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's beauty. To me, like, that's beauty. That's beauty. That verse right there. That when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. My vision for the church. And maybe I'm naive but man, I'll be here until that happens. Like that's, that's my desire is that I want to see that That I want to see that. I don't want to pray for a move of God that would bring that. I want to be it. I want to be it. I want to be the move of God as Summit Church that's that. That when everything's working properly, it builds itself up in love. There's no celebrity pastor. There's no... no Right formula. There's no this. It's just the Holy Spirit of God pouring out His power on the body of Christ and each one of us embracing our chosen responsibility and gift in such a way where the body is building itself up in love. Doesn't that sound like fun? Like, I don't know about you, but there's nothing boring about that. That sounds awesome, right? Way better than Funtown Splashtown, right? I mean, that's awesome. It's exciting. So how do we do it? I'm glad you asked. All right. Hebrews chapter 10. Okay. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. All right, we're going to talk about this for just a couple minutes. Let us hold fast. The writer of Hebrews, we don't know who it is. Some people think it's Paul. Some people think it's Barnabas. uh, You know, other people, uh, you know, whatever, right? Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. The writer of Hebrews here saying the same thing, right? Let us hold fast the confession of our hope, right? The gospel without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider, here's the work again, how to stir up one another to love loving good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near, right? Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And at the end there, I feel like the writer of Hebrews, he's he's saying there all the more as it gets harder, Because we've seen throughout scripture, right? We've seen throughout scripture that 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 that, that as Jesus comes back, things get harder for the church. Right? Right? There's there's probably all all things in scripture, right? And so and so what what the writer of Hebrews is saying is encouraging one one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so he gives us two things here. Number one, keep your eyes on Jesus. How do we do this? Right? How do we how do we create a heart for the church? Respond to the calling of the gospel, right? Embrace our gift to be a part for the work of ministry and the church that he's called us to. Number one, keep your eyes on Jesus. Let us consider, excuse me, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Right? That's number one. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Number two stir others to him stir others to him stir others to him when's the last time you were just so excited about Jesus or something that something that God did in your life that you just you just had to tell people you just had to tell people you just had to tell people right Stir others to Him by meeting together, big groups, small groups, even smaller groups. Encouraging one another, not beating one another up. Encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, three most common reasons I hear. And as you're sitting there, yeah, pastor, this is good. Good preaching, pastor. Thank you for the message, right? We're not done yet. But pastor... What do I know? Can't tell you the number of times I've heard that, Pastor. I I get it. You know, going to all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. But what do I know? What do I know? I haven't gone to school. I don't have the sheets of paper hanging on my wall that you do. Right? What what do I know? What do I know? Let me tell you something. If you know and love Jesus, that's all you need. The people that have spoken the most into my life the people that have spoken most into my life have never been to seminary. But they love Jesus. They love Jesus. My mentor in high school, Thad, you guys hear about him all the time. He has since gone to seminary, but when he was my youth pastor, he had a communications degree from the University of Greensboro. Right? And he was still a good old red-headed boy that didn't know how to speak English really well. He spoke Hick. Right? What do I know? The one prerequisite is do you know Jesus? Are you living for him? Second excuse. I don't have time. Right? I mean, how many of us say how many of us say this, right, pastor? This is awesome, right? Love your heart for the church. Love how you get excited and passionate up there. It's great. You broke a real sweat this morning. That's awesome. I ain't got time for this. Right? I ain't got time for this. Let me tell you something. Read this this past week. Time is made, not found. Time is made. Not found. There's this guy from Africa speaking at a um, discipleship conference one time, and, and, he, and he gets up and, and basically sharing a, a similar themed message. I, I don't really know the, the crux of the message of what he was sharing, but he, but he gets to a point where he says, You know, many people say they don't have time to disciple others, to serve Jesus. And he says, I tell them, stop what you're doing, and then you'll have time. Stop what you're doing, and then you'll have time, right? The calling of Jesus on our lives is to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. If we're doing that, right, we will have time. And then thirdly, the third thing that we hear constantly, who do I disciple? Who who, who do I disciple? My question is this, who's God put in your life? Right? Who's right in front of you? Right? Who's right next to you? Who who has God put in your life? Husbands and wives, easy. Right? Kids? Boom. Who has God put in your life? Listen. When I talk about Paul and his heart for the church and our calling and the fact that we're chosen, listen, I'm not asking you to add anything to your life. I'm asking you to be faithful with what God has given into your life. Be faithful with the relationship you have with the guys at Blue Pig. Be faithful with the relationship that you have with that teacher, with that coach. With the person that makes your coffee every morning, you walk in and before you order, it's already on the counter ready. Be faithful with those. Tell them about the hope that you have in Christ. Right?